Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody. This is the Tony Demolition Man Dolan from Venom Inc., and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, this is John Astronomy. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. we got a great show for you. Our special guest today is Tony Demolition Man Dolan from Venom, Inc. I am coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft, and on Skype is Mark Demolition Striegel. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you, John? Good, good, good. Yeah, I hey. tell you, they should call Tony Tony Dolan the the Renaissance Man, because this guy does it all. I mean, he's he's an actor he's a musician he's uh, just a guy who's been doing art and all sorts of stuff for years and years and years and i'm so honored to have him back on talking metal one Absolutely. of the first interviews venom inc ever did when they they got together with was with talking metal up in uh, in person one up in heavy montreal that time we had the whole band this time we have just tony and um, i'm so glad to talk with him again i mean just the nicest guy john i mean you got to hear this interview he's just such a, a sweet great guy and uh, really a big part of 
Venom's legendary history. And Venom Inc. is the new band. It essentially is two-thirds of the original classic Venom with Tony, who was in Venom for three albums, I believe. Now those three guys have Venom Inc. Very, very cool. I'm definitely excited to hear the interview, and I've been a longtime fan of all the stuff. So this is very, very cool. Now, the interview with Tony was conducted probably about 10 days ago, and I wish I could have gotten it up sooner, but there's just been, uh, it's been life has been crazy, which we'll get into later. But <laughs> since, since then, since I recorded this 10 days ago, they've announced that the, the record is, is on its way. The, the full-length record is coming out on August 11th via Nuclear Blast, and it, of course, features Tony Dolan and Mantis and... Abaddon. So, I mean, just really classic Venom is is yeah. back with Venom Inc. And we are going to talk about a lot of stuff in this interview, which I want to set the interview up a little bit more, John. But why don't we get into uh, a brand new track by Venom Inc. that was just released that you can purchase on iTunes right now. We'll hear a sound sample of it. Dein Fleisch. Am I saying that right, John? I think so. It reminds me of Weiss's Fleisch uh, Ramstein song, so I bet that's probably how it's said. Awesome. Let's check it out right now on Talking Metal.
a little brand new Venom Inc. coming off the album, which I'm guessing is pronounced Ave, Ave, A V E, with one of those little like lines, Onks and Grav, is that what it's called? Like, <laughs> I'm little, not even yeah, sure. I, I used to be an e. expert in French, and uh, we used to have one of those in, on E's and in, in French, and I, 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 I thought it was called one thing, and now I think it's called something else, and it shows how much I learned back in school. And I was the number one kid in my grade in French, and uh, sadly, uh, I, I can't remember what that's called. But uh, that was a long time ago, and now right I am in an old age uh, uh, segment of my life, I, I believe, at this point. So <laughs> I'm forgetting things. Well, I'm just I know, Before we get into this interview, I know we both want to kind of just do some random plugs. Yes. I'm cracking a beer, and that's what I want to plug. Holy shit, it's like spilling all over the fucking place. <laughs> Hold on for 30 seconds. I'll be right back. I don't know where he's going. Hey, I'm back. Oh, you're back. That wasn't 30 seconds. That was like five seconds. Uh, I heard some noises, and I had to shut the door. of the so- I had to pull the, the hatch down on the silver spacecraft. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm in like a, a small control panel right now. I'm, I'm drinking two roads beer it's out of connecticut wow. oh, little heaven is it uh, is the the uh the flavor or whatever you call it the wow. um, yeah the i would say flavor yeah, yeah sure. flavor and it is an ipa it's very good i really good. like this company it's not super heavy on the alcohol you know some of these ipas are like you know eight percent nine percent alcohol there's right. like four point five percent that's cool uh, but the flavor is just delicious it's a great ipa highly recommended again little heaven by Two roads out of Connecticut. And John, you were just telling me about a great place over in Jersey City before we started rolling. Yeah, uh, yeah. so this, this is not a, an alcohol-serving uh, uh, establishment. This is a great deli. And I, I just got to put in a little plug because a, a really cool thing happened. Um, this deli is usually open until 4 p.m. Uh, on weekdays. And the owner, his name is Salvatore, such a nice man, he had to get to his other restaurant, which is called Abudanza. And they closed like just a couple of minutes early. And um, I knocked on the door and, or I saw him coming out and I said, oh, guys, are you closed? And he said, yeah. He goes, well, you know, we just closed like five minutes early. And I was like, oh, that's okay. And he was like, he was such a nice guy. He said, no, no, I want you to come inside. And they had put everything away. And he was so nice that he said, what would you like? And I said, oh, maybe I'll take some meatballs and I'll take a chicken cutlet. And these are like New York term guys, right. New York, New Jersey terms. And uh, he, he told one of the, the people that had already packed everything up, go go get this man some stuff. And, and, and then they brought that out and he goes, let's get some bread for him and let's get all this. And and then I went to pay, and he's like, on the house. And how cool really? is that? Yeah. That's amazing, he just, dude. He invited me into a closed place just because he felt bad because he closed like about five minutes early. And uh, I was like, no, that's totally fine, man. No problem. And uh, he gave me all this food that I had asked for for free. And uh, his name is Salvatore that's- from Milano Deli uh, in Jersey City, New Jersey. Also, go check out Abdanza, his other restaurant. And that that's awesome. That's a good businessman because you will yep. be back now. And you'll probably go back even more than you normally would. Yeah. You know, because because somebody does that for you. Uh, I mean, that's that's this is a class act, and I totally understand why you wanted to mention it here on the show. And, Absolutely. 
we got to go there and uh, you got to introduce me to some of this food this guy serves up. Yeah, this stuff I, is amazing. I, I'm, my mouth is watering right now. You should see the line. Um, you know, uh, this er- the area where where it is is sort of a business district. Uh, even like uh, they they call it like Wall Street West, I, I believe. And uh, uh, there is a line out the door for lunch in this place. And what's even cooler is I di- I totally did not realize that Abu Danza, uh, the actual sit down restaurant, was owned by the by him as well. And so not only am I going to return to the Milano Deli, but I'm going to go over to Abu Danza as well because this guy's food is the best. No awesome, doubt. awesome. Venom Inc. is online at venom com. They're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Venom Inc. Official, and nuclearblast.de slash Venom Inc. is another place where you can check these guys out. We'll have those links in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Guys, there's a lot of stuff going on on TalkingMetal.com. It's not just podcasts anymore. We're, we're posting news events and links to other news events that we think uh, are cool lots of photos from places like m3 where john and i just hung out uh, a lot of great stuff going on on the site please check it out let us know what you think by using the comments section and uh, i guess we should get into this uh, interview right john i think so and yeah without question let's get into the interview and then when we come back we're going to give you guys some classic talking metal style uh, what would you call it? Uh, riffing. Yeah. <laughs> or ranting. Yeah, let's do it. And yeah, raving. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, Iron Maiden, too. We just yeah, saw them yeah. on Wednesday. Saw Ghost in Iron Maiden. Yeah, cool. Here's some, here's some old school Venom going back to the 80s. This is with Demolition Man on vocals. Um, and this is great stuff. You can't forget about the stuff that, that Tony Dolan did with Venom because there's some really great stuff in, in his era of that band. And I'm just so psyched. He is back together with these guys in the new, the, the newer, it's kind of, it's kind of, I mean, it kind of is classic Venom because it's, it's really three guys who at one time were Venom and now they're Venom Inc. And it's, yeah, it's great cool. stuff. And I love this guy, Tony Dolan. So let's check out some music and then hear my interview with Tony Dolan. A couple things I'd just like to set up is, you know, we, we do uh, reference a lot of stuff that, that Tony's done, his older bands, this, this other, you know, side, not side band, this other project he was working on that kind of led to the, formation of of venom inc and you know pay pay close attention because a lot of stuff gets said here and it you know when i was giving the interview my head was spinning a little bit trying to, to remember everything that's going on but it just goes to show you what uh, how incredibly busy this guy has has been and how much great work he has put out through the years not just with venom and venom inc but with with other bands too so stay tuned for what i think is a really fun interview here we go Venom on Talking Metal, followed by a chat with Tony Dolan, the Demolition Man.
What you just heard right there, a little classic Venom, Blackened Are the Priests. And on the line, we have from Venom Inc., Tony Dolan. Hey, Tony. how are you? I'm... Hey, hello, hello, and it's good to talk to you again, Mike. Yeah, yeah, it was oh. just we were just reminiscing uh, before we started the interview here about Heavy Montreal, which was, I guess, back when, when Venom Inc. was still rather new, and here we are, I guess, two, three years later, and there's a lot going on. I can't wait to talk to you about all this this stuff, uh, including new music, but, but first off, I think you guys just played out, I think it was in California, the Blackest of the Black Festival. How'd that go? Yeah, that's right, Mark. We did. We uh, well, it, it was fantastic. I mean, it was uh, um, up in Silverado in, in the canyon there, and um, uh, Danzig had kind of uh, Glenn Danzig kind of put it on, and uh, suicidal tendency ministry, and we got a special invitation to come over and be part of it. So we were quite honoured by that, um, and it was amazing, absolutely amazing. It was uh, perfect weather. Uh, everybody was. You know, having a great time. The bands were totally hitting it, and uh, and yeah, for us it was absolutely amazing, and and also doubly because, you know, we um, we um, aired one of the new songs from the new album that's coming up uh, for the first time. So it, it, it was it was 
pleasure to be able to uh, deliver something brand new um, to a US audience, which meant a lot uh, to us because we played some festivals uh, back home before we came over um, and we didn't play anything new. We were holding on so we could drop it on an American audience first. And so it was quite special, quite special. Right. Well, that's that's awesome. And I cannot wait to hear this new music. And I have to ask you the... Uh the metal websites and stuff have been reporting that you have signed to Nuclear Blast and that That's right, yeah. a, a new album is on the way. And I just wanted to kind of find out where you guys are at. Obviously, you played a new song live. So the songwriting, I'm guessing, is has begun or is maybe already complete at this point? Yeah, everything's done. Everything's done. I mean, we kind of got stuck for time because, uh, you know, since we since we kind of started the three of us back at it, uh, um, we we haven't been able to uh, uh, take the foot off the gas. It's like, uh, you know, every time we went to sit down, it was like there was more shows, more shows, more shows. So kind of, uh, uh, I think people got a kind of wrong idea that we were just going out and, uh, you know, cabbering friggin' the Venom right. <laughs> uh, material. But it wasn't it wasn't that at all, you know. The, re- the reason we went back to the beginning and started from there to co- travel right through the legacy was because there's so many fantastic songs in the in in the venom catalog and we didn't want to leave anything uncovered you know and some people thought you know maybe you should focus on the uh, my era or and and but it's all inclusive you know it's all inclusive and yeah. and we're traveling through the whole catalog and um you know we we eventually john zazula you know megaforce metallica came sure. in um with took billy and um he just said you know we gotta we gotta get some new material what do you want to do and we had a window but it was a very tight window um, so we tried to get in there as fast as we could at the uh, December into January, February, and get everything done, you know, artworks and recordings and just everything. So we just all went at it as fast as we could. And um, and then we ended up with some demos for John, um, and he, you know, said, who should we hit? And uh, I had one target in mind, which was Nuclear Blast, you know. Yeah. Um, I have an association with them, of course, but also because I just think, you know, they're a great, they would be a great label for us if we could get them. We sent sent the demos off, and, and almost on uh, uh, on return, they went, okay, let's do it, let's find it, let's get it wow. done, it's great. And that was it. So, you know, they've, they've got everything. The album's about to drop in the summer. Okay. Um, they're going to announce the date soon. Um, video, lyric video, we've seen some uh, uh, work uh, that's being done at the time uh, and now. Um, you know, post the campaign. I mean, it's just amazing. It's truly amazing. And we have uh, Circle Talent who've uh, um, been working hard for the US tour, 30 odd dates. Uh, and we could have done more. We could have done more. We thought we'd done enough, but, but there's yeah. still people going, "Why are you playing here? Why are you playing there?" And promoters coming in, so you know that 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 would be perfect. But we get to do that during September, and and we'll have the album out, uh, so we get to play brand new stuff, and it, it it will be the first time we'll be doing it. So the first uh, um, time we get to be playing the album material live will be in the USA. So that's something, and and of course Canada, we do go up there. Okay. Um, too. So, um, you know, although someone complained the other day and said, you might as well just call it North, uh, North, um, 
you might as well just call it USA tour because you're only just coming to the border in Canada. Ah, I was okay. like, well, you know, well, we were planning Alaska, Saskatoon or something, but uh, and up at Yellowknife, but uh, maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. And uh, back, circle back to the new record, which you said drops this summer. I'm, I'm really excited for this. Uh, stylistically, what can we expect? Is this, I mean, Venom has been a band that, you know, has always been extreme in their sound, but there has been some variation in in the style of the music what what kind of uh you know uh, songwriting style and and what level of aggression can we expect on this this release coming this summer well you know mark it it, it was one of those things that went when you know because none of this was planned it's all just kind of happy accident we and we just got in the saddle and just let the horse run it run with its course so we we didn't plan anything and very much it became uh, um, um, obvious to us that uh, what we do on stage is who we are you know I mean anybody can you know anybody can play the music but but not everybody can be the characters right and it's it's an extension of who they were I mean the first tour we came out uh, first tour, real tour we came out of the gate on um, you know, people w- were commenting on Mantis guitar sound and go, wow, he's got that guitar sound again. And it sounds like the, uh, the original stuff. And, and how does he get that sound? And it's like, basically, he's the same person who played there. He just plays the same, you know, with his sound. And, and that's what people are realizing. Same thing for Abaddon, you know, it's like, he, it, why, why can people, you know, play Bloodlust or something like that and not quite capture that feeling because he played it. It's him playing it. It's an extension of him. You know, so the music is as much part of the characters. Uh, um, and so, you know, when looking at the new album, it's like, well, do we, you know, do you plagiarize yourself? Do you try and mimic yourself? Do you try and uh, copy something? Or do you look at what's happening now and think, oh, maybe we should streamline it a bit? Or maybe we sh-. And And at the end of the day, you have to sit down and say, you know, if you... If you want to be honest, you just be yourself. You know, right. Motorhead were Motorhead when they started, and they were Motorhead when when Lemmy left us. You know, and and that was just it. You know, um, and and that's it. It's it's indicative. You know, um, Slayer, Slayer was Slayer, and will be Slayer. You know, they'll always be the same, the same people playing the, the music that they're recognised for. And I think it's the same for Venom and any connection of Venom. It's like, you know, we went into this album just being ourselves. And it, it came out as us. So there's extremity in there. There's there's harmony in there. There's you know all those moments because you know looking back at the catalog, you, you, if you put you know in league with Satan next to Bloodlust, next to Die Hard, next to Seven Gates of Hell, next to Manitou, you know you can see the coloration. There was there's highs and lows, extremes and and uh, and uh, uh, some. Um, and uh, some harmonious stuff in there. So there's lots of coloration. And we just did the same thing. We let it come naturally. If it came out and and that's what it was, that's what it was. And so we we didn't plan anything. We didn't try to make it sound like anything. We just went in there as us, and it came out us. So, um, and we're very pleased with it. And the label's incredibly happy with it. Uh, So, you know, all points north, and let's hope everybody out there, when they hear it, feel the same as we all do. I'm sure we're going to. And was there a producer or engineer, anybody significant in the studio with you? Yes, there was. I mean, uh, um, you know, we had a a few uh, um, producers uh, being asking to do it, funnily enough, and uh, and John Cezula was... uh, um, 
telling us about this guy and this guy and this guy's hot and this guy's really into it this guy wants to do it and everything else but at the end of the day you know mantis has been just been uh producing his own stuff for so long and right. it, and it's something he really really wanted to do so he said oh, can i do it give me a shot to do it and john was like uh yeah but it's going to be you know really great and blah 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 and, and i just said it is going to be you know it's you know if you go outside of your camp um it can work of course there's fantastic producers but but you have to know the band i think in order for us to be to be us someone needs to know us very well uh, and how how we think and how we are and as characters but how we how our sound comes out and who better to do that than one of us so right. you know Manchester did the production we had a, a guy from Germany a good friend of ours Kali Osman who's a um, um, great engineer and producer in his own right he came over and sat in and uh, tips and guides and stuff but Jeff handled the production and it, and it came out monstrous absolutely monstrous and uh and, and it's fantastic, and it's so nice to know that it was all done in house, and yeah. it's just us, um, you know, and not not for a financial saving, just because it was an important album, and we wanted it to be us, you know, um, and it turned out superb. He's done an amazing job. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, I can't wait to hear it coming this summer. Brand new music from Venom Inc. We are talking with Demolition Man Tony Dolan. Uh, a fall tour in the states. You 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 hinted at it earlier. We're we're very excited for this. Uh, you're going to be. I think the second or third day is in New York City. I will be there. Cannot wait. This is taking Good you stuff. all over the country, right? This is a pretty big tour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we we we've done. I think we're on uh, about a third or fourth tour of duty. Fourth with this maybe in the USA, and you know. Um, I guess it's kind of, you know, back in the day, um, you know, people didn't get to see Venom so much because they, they, they didn't do so many shows here. And, um, you know, and one of the commentaries we had when, when myself and Jeff toured his Empire of Evil in the USA um, was that, that people, the American audience would look to Europe and think, fuck, they get all the best bands, they get all the best festivals, they get all, you know, this and this, and we, we get, we get uh, jacked here. Um, you know, there's odds fest and there's some things not fest and stuff, but, you know, generally, you know, the people were, were looking at that and saying, we want a piece of that. And I guess in the back of our heads, it was, you know, we all the fans who've been there, you know, new fans too, but also older fans who, who've been there for forever, you know, from day one and, and may not have got an opportunity or, you know, if a band comes and plays in New York and someone lives in, I don't know, you know, Idaho or something, right. it, it, somebody could maybe, you know, take a plane and go see the band, but, but most people, they, they don't kind of have that exposable income, especially these days, to be able to travel all the way across just for one night show in, in an expensive state. So, you know, if we could go to their house and play right in front of them, then brilliant. And that was the idea, you know. Yeah. So a couple of times, you know, like on the last two, because it was winter or the time before we were in winter, you know, we got to some places and, and uh, there was winter storms, of course, you know. And so the lower attendance came, you know, uh, just because people have to travel so far in the USA. Um, now, on the one hand, you could look at that and go, you know, there was like 180 people, but there was 180 fans who made it to get there. So, you know, if we didn't play that, 
uh, and we bypassed them, they might not have got a chance to see us. So for us, it was really important if there was, you know, if it's 10,000 or 10, it makes no difference. If they're fans and it is their opportunity, we want to take it to them. We want to bring them it. And we will play exactly the same if we're in a, a shit house, a clubhouse, a fucking arena. Or, it makes no difference. We, wow. we give the same show and leave ourselves on stage because that's what we owe back, I think, really. That's that's really great to respect the fans like that. We, being a fan, I, you know, I, I appreciate that, and just really excited you guys are are back out there doing it. Um, but you know, right now let's take a little trip back in time, going back to 1989, the Prime Evil album. Any memories yeah. you can share of of that record coming together? And that was, I believe, your first record with Venom. Uh, yeah. Can you share any any stories or memories about? producing that record with the guys well you know that i think that whole that whole time was kind of special you know uh, the year before we i did a big tour with my band Adam craft with nasty savage and, and exuma uh, and abaddon was our tour manager on the tour and um we actually were in uh, i think it was the final date in poland and um there was a band a polish band sporting us called wolf spider and um now this is with adam craft this is with adam this is with yeah. adam craft yeah and they, they said about jamming something, and Tony came and said, should we do Welcome to Hell? You know, because everybody could see Abaddon was there, but of course he, right. he, wasn't, he wasn't as a performer. And so we said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we all got on stage and we jammed that, and people went crazy So um, as a one-off. Then we flipped over the end of the tour. My band kind of just... You know, the singer decided he wanted to go and do something else. The guitarist decided he wanted to be a puppet master or something. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Everybody kind of freaked. And we were, we were on, I thought we were on a good roll because we were getting noticed by the British press at last. Um, we had some demos in our pocket. It, you know, things felt pretty good. Um, and and then they they were kind of walking away. So I, I guess I'd done something to piss them off. Or I don't know. But anyway, I sort of sat out and thought, well, what do we want to do next? And the, the drummer said, maybe we audition guitarists. I thought, you know, I don't want to go through all that shit again, starting from scratch. And just when we got to this point. So I guess I was kind of packing everything away, really. And then I got a call from uh, uh, Abaddon and, and Eric Cook, um, who we just lost, uh, the former Venom manager, sure, yep. to go meet meet them in a pub. And um, we chatted, and they said that Kronos had uh, left. He wanted to go solo, relocating to the USA. And uh, they had uh, a deal on the table from Music for Nations, and <clears throat> they were thinking, you know, they they wanted to do the deal. So they were just looking for a base vocalist. So I thought they wanted me to try and have a think who I could think of. Uh, and it, it was me, and you know I didn't consider because people think you know oh was it big boots to fill and how did you feel and I didn't think anything of that you know I just thought um, here's a band that that I had a, a history with um, not just as a band but as as the people you know because we all come from the same place and went to the same places and saw each other and everything but I also was a fan of what they did so for me it was like oh I get to play with some friends. And I get to play some great music, and who wouldn't want to get on stage and play black metal or, or you know, Bloodlust or, you know, Welcome to Hell or something? So I was like, oh yeah, fucking fantastic. So I didn't actually, maybe naivety, but I didn't actually consider I was replacing anybody. I was just joining my mates in a band. You know, Mantis came back, and it was like fantastic, and and it was like the best time. I thought it was absolutely the best time. You know, writing for Primeval and and um, and then recording it. You know, we just had such a great time. Um, we 
we wrote together and we wrote separately and we worked in the studio. We had a laugh because we always do, you know, and then um, we went to a residential studio for the production. Uh, got Nick Tauber, who's famous for doing whiskey uh, in a joint, and also done uh, the Come Before the Storm album. And he understood the band. He knew what they wanted to get at. So he did a superb job. And, you know, the, what was great was that we didn't kind of think that's it was different it was just the band and um and then when it went out into press of course um it got fan fantastic reviews and then we toured it and it, the whole thing was amazing and it was funnily enough only till later there was a journalist probably you know even 11 months later or something after we toured it um who'd said to me you know how did it feel stepping into someone else's shoes and it was the first time i actually thought oh yeah, I forgot. I did yeah, well. because because it was just uh, uh, it just seemed such a natural thing yeah. to do, such a natural thing, you know. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't try and be, you know, somebody. I didn't try and be him because why? Why would you want to do that? You know, he was a huge character. It's a huge character, and and what he did as part of that whole thing was you know legendary and will be there forever. So I thought, well, I'm, there's no point being anybody but yourself. It's kind of what we're like now, you know. We're still the same people, you know, amenable, and and we turn it up on stage, and and that's all you can be—just honest and and genuine, really. Right on. And you know, you had bands like like Venom and Motorhead in in the early '80s doing their thing, and they they were getting more recognition from what you were getting with Adam Craft, but in a, in a way you were doing that extreme rock and that extreme metal at a time when these other guys were doing it too. Uh, so it, it seems like you would be the natural guy to, to you know. Well, that was kind of it. On, I, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, initially on the first stuff, you know, I know, uh, I, I was playing bass and, and singing, you know, and, and I guess, yeah, you know, back then there wasn't anything kind of extreme you know and then you know venom launched with the releases and then everybody was like what the hell's going on there but i guess even before the releases it was kind of what we'd been all kind of been doing um not so much the new wave of british heavy metal although it was at that time but just pushing the barriers a bit you know yeah um and you know in 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 my band we never we'd we, i mean i remember we went in and did the, uh, the first demo and um, we took the tape home, and and that was it. We were the only people who listened to it because yeah, we right. didn't we didn't think you know like, what do you do next? I got no idea. How do people get record deals? I don't know. Who right, do you send right. it to? No idea. So you know we just kept playing shows and writing songs and recording for ourselves. So it was only then when, in in fact, it was probably Raven when I when I saw Raven and Fist releasing singles, and I thought, oh wow. And I used to get the bus from uh, um, where John Gallagher lived. Okay. So I knew John and Mark and had seen right. them play. And then, you know, hearing their first uh, single, it was like, oh my God, you actually made a record. And then you start to click and go, how does that work then? And of course, then Venom came and it was like, oh my God. And the whole thing started to make sense, you know. Um, so yeah, but the, the, that transition was, yeah, it was natural. That, like you said, you know, I, I was already in that ballpark anyway. So for me, it just felt completely natural. And, you know, there's a complimentary style to, to Jeff, you know, um, at the, for some reason, his style is everything I like. Uh, and when we play together, it, it's, you know, like second skin kind of right. stuff. You know, we, we read each other so well and, and it sits so well. 
uh, putting the three of us on stage together, it just all kind of works naturally, you know, so Absolutely. natural. And and Adam Kraft, you guys have have done stuff through the years. You've gotten back together yeah. and done stuff here and there. Are you? Is it still active at this point? Like, what's the status of of that band? Ooh. Well, it is. It's kind of, um, um, you know, the original band, um, the guys went their way. John became a photographer and a teacher, and, and uh, the guitarist runs a theater in, in Newcastle now. And um, and then uh, off the back of Future Warriors, you know, the, the, the three of us on there, you know, the the drummer was the brother of uh, Eric Cook, the villain manager, and he... He runs a studio now and has his business and kind of does that, doesn't drum so much. And the guitarist, I guess, travels the world with some bells on his slippers and sits on a mountain in Peru with a, an acoustic guitar. Um, so, we, you know, when it, there was always offers every year to do something with Adam Crap, but there was just me. Um, and, you know, I just thought, oh, this, you know, I can't put a band together just to do these things. So I let it all go. But, um, you know, eventually I bent and said, yeah, okay. So I, I, I borrowed some guys, some friends for some of the bands uh, who learned the material and we went out and did some shows. But I'd, I'd recorded several singles and then um, uh, some album material. So I have a whole bunch of stuff, some of it more trashy and some of it more original aircraft, like I guess kind of more heady early, early Venoms sounding more like that Um, and it just keeps sitting in my house because every time you know I find a space and think oh maybe I should finish that we're we're doing something that means if we're always doing something together so um, and and now this has all taken up the time we're coming into year three with Venom Inc Uh, we've still got the Empire album we would like to finish off um, so, you know, trying to squeeze something in from Minecraft is always very hard, but it's an ongoing thing. And I think it's part of my identity and who I am. You know, it was never, um, big selling material. It was always completely underground. Um, and I appreciate that, but it never stopped me from wanting to play shows and, and wanting to deliver on that. So I have one, one festival in October I'm oh, okay. doing as a special, special guest with, uh, with Minecraft. Um, and then we'll see what happens from there. Very good. And I know we probably got to wrap it up, but I wanted to just real quick that you mentioned the, the, the empire, uh, project or band yes. of evil. Now, wh- did that kind of evolve into Venom Inc or can you? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, we, at the point where we, where we got to, where, where Abaddon came in it, and like I say, that was a complete kind of, um, one-off uh, is how we looked at it. Me and Jeff were at a point where we had the new album written. We just had to put the, the vocals on, the bass on, and then it was ready to go. Um, and we got this shot to to play this festival and to 2,000 hardcore fans. And would you invite uh, Abaddon up and just play, you know, four, four or five songs just for them, just for fun. And that was it. We, we said, yeah, sure, sure. And it hasn't stopped uh, rolling, you know, someone put a brick on the gas pedal and it hasn't come off yet. So we haven't, the album we have for Empire is still sitting there, but we're determined we want to finish it because at the point where we began doing the Venom thing, we both sat there and listened to the, the stuff we had, the track, the backing tracks we had and just went, this is the best thing we've ever done. Um, wow. And, you know, we don't want to waste it. So um, as soon as we get a, a decent enough cap, we can finish it. We want to finish it and, and get that straight out. And, so, and who else know. is in that band besides but you and, and, and Jeff Dunn? 
Well, we we had a, a, a drummer who committed for the Armies, uh, Francesco Fullo La Rossa, and he, uh, an Italian drummer who plays in a band called Extrema and Master Castle, um, and he was with us for live shows. Um, uh, before that, we had Mark Jackson, who's now with uh, Acid Rain, um, and both of them are, are kind of in the band as our drummer, you know. Uh, yeah. Mark did it. We released Crucified, uh, which was some older Venom songs, and and um, which had been held up because those albums have been uh, unreleased uh, for so many years, right. and they won't reissue them. Um, so we re-recorded some with with Mark Jackson and uh, added a couple of new songs. But then by the time we got to Unleashed, Mark was busy, and so Francesco came in and he was filling in duties. So when we got to Unleashed, he he took the tapes and he committed all the drums to that. So it's kind of nice because I guess. Empire's really myself and Mantis, and then we get to go out and play live. We we get to use drummers who are available. Who, you know, there's a whole corral of them who are all just superb and great guys. So it, it means that for them, they can keep working on all of their things, and and for us, it makes it easier logistically. You know, when they're available and we're available, we can go and do something. So it, it's great. It's great. Awesome. Awesome. Last question. Uh, I mean, you're just so busy with, with music. I'm guessing I probably know the answer to this question, but <laughs> you've, you've also done acting. You've done some, some pretty yes. high profile stuff. You're an actor. Yeah, is there any, any acting going on for you now, or is that kind of just all on hold at this point? Well, it's kind of on hold. You know, I think people uh, as I stopped before and said, you know, um, you know, kind of like is in a way that like you tried to do it and then it didn't work so you know you don't do it anymore but it, it wasn't it wasn't that way it's like you know I'm I kind of um, I'm a workaholic so I can't sit down for more than 10 minutes without thinking I should be doing something and uh, the acting thing I, you know I worked as an engineer and a, and a master carpenter for the Royal Shakespeare Company and I, I, by accident I ended up covering an actor because I know Shakespeare so well and they asked wow, me Shakespeare. and then I know I know and um you know, again, it was like a happy accident. They went, would you go on and cover this role because one of our actors is sick, they didn't have any cover, and uh, you know the, the play, and I just said, okay. And I thought, this is bizarre, they're asking me, but I went on and did it, enjoyed it, and then got invited to do more work with them. And and everything went from there, Judge Dredd, and then, you know, Master and Commander, stuff for HBO, stuff for the BBC, uh, on stage, all of a sudden, I was, I was performing as well. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. But, um, you know, then the music is kind of like my first love. And it, it, it gives you it gives you a different kind of gratification, you know, um, doing movies or doing TV, you know, it's OK, but it's kind of it can be like feel like a conveyor belt you know that you just come in you're painted up you put your clothes on you go and say your line and off you go again uh, and you know your participation is is not as rich as when you're playing music you know because you can't get to the fans the beauty of the music is and, it, and particularly you know one I, i'm a club guy you know i've always been a club guy i like the hotter it is the the fuller it is, the dirtier it is, the better it feels for me. Um, the closer the audience are, the more I can feel their energy and give my energy back. Um, and you, you don't get that behind the lens. You know, live theater is, you do get those nerves and, and you do get some of that atmosphere. Um, but with, um, with film and TV, you don't so much get it. So I, I guess I it was a kind of an easy choice. I mean, I've done some voiceovers. Um, there's some other 
the projects that keep coming up every now and then. There's a documentary I, I'm doing in Italy on based on music and art, but culturally. So now it's all about instead of being Michelangelo and Da, da Vinci and opera, it's all um, you know rock music, metal, and right. tattooists. But it's the new generation, the new artists uh, uh, of Italy, and just to show the transition. So there's things I'm always doing. Um, but, um, you know, if something cool came along, then absolutely, I'd obviously be a fool to say no. But um, while while we're focused on the venoming thing, I really, I really want to make this, uh, you know, I, I guess I want... I want to give back to fans, but I want them to realize the um, the richness of, of what Venom was and who Venom are. And also, you know, for these guys at our age in life, is I think it's about time that they, they got some kind of recognition for, you know, what they've been doing all their lives uh, for this industry and for fans, you know. Absolutely. I think that's really kind of important to me. Wow, Tony, it's been great talking with you. You have a great day, and I will be at the uh, the New York show. I hope to shake your hand again. Absolutely. I'll put you on the guest list, and you'll be my guest, and I can't wait. So here we are.
That was Total Metal by Adam Kraft featuring Tony Demolition Man Dolan, some old school metal from Tony. Yeah, now that was a band he played with before Venom. And I mean, listen to that sound. I mean, they were doing basically extreme metal back at the same time bands like Venom and Exciter and Motorhead were doing it. Um, Adam Kraft was a band that was formed in 1979 and disbanded in about 1988, which is about the time he joined Venom. And again, they were they were right there uh, on that uh, kind of first wave of extreme metal bands. Also partly considered one of the new wave of British heavy metal bands too, you know, which a lot of those bands were. So not necessarily Exciter because they were from Canada, but <clears throat> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right, right. Speaking of British heavy metal bands, we just saw Iron Maiden yes. in Newark. And that yeah. was an amazing show. Really reminded me of the old days. I was just so psyched to see those guys in, in person. And we've seen and we've met and interviewed just about everybody. And I, I literally still get... Uh, like a charge when I see these maiden guys in person. Yeah. And, and me too. And I've seen them dozens of times and it was so much fun. And the turnout was just amazing. I was told by somebody yeah. who worked at the Prudential center in Newark, it was, they sold 95% of the tickets in advance. Wow. And I mean, when I looked around the arena, I didn't see one open seat. So yeah. I'm guessing maybe it was sold out or, or just That's about. Really yeah. And which is just amazing. The first time I saw Maiden was like 32 years ago or something. That's in Milwaukee, great. Wisconsin. So it's been a long run for me with that band and I've seen them consistently through the years. And it's, it's really, it was an emotional experience. And, you know, I was there with Emily and being there with friends like you, John, who we just have such a long history. And, and, uh, I, I walked out of there just like, kind of like, I don't know, like, feeling emotional you know i, I yeah, really yeah did. no but i i understand 100 what you're saying i out of you know excluding kiss race i with i i don't even have to uh you know look this up uh, iron maiden is the band that i've seen more times in concert right than any Anyone other else, band yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, Ghost, and, one of our favorite newer bands yeah, nope. uh, opening up i know john and i and emily are all Massive fans and Mike Lincoln, yeah, that the drummer great. in your band, was also at the concert. And yep. real quick, just uh, he texted me, "You guys have a gig coming up, right? Like it is the band John yes. is playing in, and you guys have a gig yep. coming up. Where where is it? Yeah, we have a gig at a place called Tobacco Road, uh, and it's on Forty First Street in Manhattan. And believe it or not, it's it's underneath Port Authority, the the bus terminal, the big, big, gigantic uh, bus terminal in Manhattan. Uh, tons of people who live in New Jersey uh, and in Pennsylvania uh, come to New York every day uh, by way of buses who drive right into Port Authority. And there's a road, 41st Street, that goes actually through Port Authority and uh, uh, Port, uh, actually, it used to be called Port 41, uh, but now it's called Tobacco Road. They keep switching but didn't it, the name. It used to be like decades ago it was called Tobacco Road. Yeah, yeah, it was called Tobacco Road. Because I played a gig Road. at Tobacco Road at that oh, okay. place. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it was you. I don't, I don't think it was no, with you. But yeah, it was, I, I definitely played a gig there 
either yep. with like like Sea Dogs band or, or oh, okay. Captain T band or something. Yeah, I definitely played yeah. there at mm-hmm. one point. Um, but yeah, it great, was great, called great Tobacco spot. Road, and then it was called Board Forty One, and then they keep you know the name. It, it went by Best Bar for a little while too, but now it's it's back to Tobacco Road. Got a they got a cool stage. Uh, you know, bands I, I know Fashion Pussycat has played there and some other bands, but this gig uh, headlining is Warrior Soul, cool. and uh, they are of course a, a great band. We had uh, our friend Corey Clark on the TV show Talking Metal, and uh, we did uh, Paranoid, Paranoid and I Want to Rock, and uh, he's just such a cool guy. Yeah, which those are up on YouTube, guys. If Maybe I'll try to link those through today's show notes. There's a great version of Paranoid with Corey Clark from... Warrior Soul and Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sister on guitar. Richard and Christie. Richard Christie on drums from from Death and Iced Earth and Howard Stern fame. And John's on guitar, and I think I'm on bass. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a it's a fun watch. We'll hopefully have those linked through today's show notes. And yeah, so, so I don't know what else is going on with you. Oh, Jeff? I I want to also give a shout out to my friend Andrew Metalfire Janda, who is the guy who uh, hooked like it up with this gig and. Andrew is not only the leader of the band Metal Fire, and it's spelled Metal, F-I-E-R. They just headlined the Gramercy Theater uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he is also the guitarist of Warrior Soul, and he's just a, he's actually, he's a uh, talking metal fan, uh, oh, cool. and uh, uh, I remember one day I was, at, you know, coincidentally in Port Authority, and he came up to me, and he goes, hey, I'm Metal Fire, and, uh, I'm a talking metal listener, and uh, cool. he's such a great guy, and he's he's totally engulfed in the business. I hung out with him at the Guns N' Roses concert. We were both that together out at the uh, MetLife Stadium, right. and he's just such a great guy, a great guitar player, a great band leader, and uh, you should definitely check out Metal Fire, uh, M-E-T-E-L, no, <laughs> M-E-T-A-L. I can't even spell metal anymore. Um, M-E-T-A-L-F-I-E-R. And uh, definitely check those guys out as well. Maybe cool. We can, and where can uh, we check out Like It well. online? Where can we check out Like so It? So Like It, yeah, you can check it to at like-it-online.com. And uh, there's some old stuff on there. We're going to start posting some newer uh, videos and some new uh, audio stuff. There's some old demos on there that I actually didn't play on. Um, they're really old, but uh, Like It has uh, went into the studio recently and laid down some new uh, demos uh, down at, uh, or I don't know if you would call them demos or actually just tracks, uh, down at IIR where uh, we recorded with Captain T and Astronomy. Cool. And John, any any updates on Ace? Of course, John works with, with the one and all, only Ace Fraley, and, and we're always just itching for any updates you can give us on yeah. what he's up to. Yeah, Ace is in the studio, in his brand new studio out in California, and he is working on new material. So uh, there you have it. Wow. Ace working on new material. Um, Ace has three shows in Florida coming up in July. Uh, there is a show in Vegas uh, in August, and then in, in October, Ace will, of course be going down under to Australia and touring with Alice Cooper, uh, who is uh, doing a 40th anniversary tour, I believe it's called. Uh, that's not the actual name of the tour, but it's it's a 40th anniversary tour, and it's just going to be uh, really a, a great event, a must-see for anyone from both Australia and New Zealand. Uh, so that's uh, going to be some cool stuff happening. 
And uh, so Ace, yeah, he's got a full, full, uh, full plate ahead of him, and uh, it, it's really, really cool. So that's what's happening on the Ace Fraley front. So, Mark, uh, enough of my yapping. Who's the guy who said enough of my yapping? I don't know. <laughs> Some like actor was like enough of my yapping. Uh, um, you know, that was. I, I, it sounds familiar. I couldn't tell you yeah. who it was though. So, somebody write in and tell us who that was because it's going to kill me until I figure that figure that out. Um, so, Mark, enough of my yapping. What's happening with you? Well, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just like. I'm just like so sick of like working and my job and I just like I, I want to I'm seriously thinking of just like taking like August off and maybe just like doing talking metal and playing guitar again and it's just like I, I just you know like I produce promos and write promos and on the one hand I should be very fortunate and and thankful because uh, you know I, I make a decent living I mean it's not I'm not like living very large but I I I, I get by, you know, and it's, I'm just like so sick of it. I can't fucking take it anymore, man. It's just like, so I, I want to like in August, I'm like seriously thinking of taking the month off, which is financially wow. not a good idea, but just like doing the website every day, playing guitar again. And, and, you know, I, I ended up producing promos commercials for like cable tv shows and movies like by accident really and it's just like i've had a few little breaks where in you know i, I used to do documentaries at vh1 like right. bowie documentaries real cool stuff curtis mayfield and you know led zeppelin and all sorts of great stuff vh1 legends uh marvin gay uh, Elton John. I mean, we did great. We did great work, and it was stuff I was very proud of, and really yeah, loved the stuff, stuff that I did stuff. at VH1. And somehow, I like fell into doing promos because I knew somebody was like, "Oh, why don't you come do some promos?" And I, I've had some fun moments doing promos through the years, but now I'm many decades in to this promo thing. And I had a few you're nice good at breaks. You're well, thanks. Yeah. A few nice breaks, like where we did the talking metal on Fuse show. I got to stop doing promos and do long form again for whatever that was three months or, and then, you know, that metal show, the, the final season of that, I got to work on that for four months, which was great. You know, not doing promos, working on a long form show. That was a topic that I had a, a deep I passion about. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I just, a few days ago, like, you know, after some relatively bad days at work where my boss is currently, you know, because I bounce around, I'm freelance, so I get on projects for like five months or, or one month or six months or a year sometimes, but I just like, I was just like so sick of, of like the nonsense that's going on and uh, and well, I, I just woke up the other day and I was like, how, how did I fucking end up here, you know, and... But, and and it's like, I just want to spend time with my kids and do the website and play guitar and, and you know, we gotta go do to a dinner gig. with my wife. Yeah, I, I want to do a gig. I, I need yeah. something. You know, Dan Lorenzo was like, I want you to be in my Kiss cover band. And I was like all excited about that. But I barely have time to ever pick up the guitar is the problem, you know, because right. of everything else going on. Much of what I love, like talking metal, my family and and that's basically it. Uh, well, maybe, maybe take, maybe take August off and just have, have a great month doing all that stuff. And then you could always resume 
uh, doing promos again, you know, after a month. Yeah. Well, the other thing is because I'm freelance, like when I don't have people are like, oh, well, it must be nice when you have time off. And I'm fortunate because I don't get a lot of time off, right. but I don't get paid when I, when I have right. time off. And, and then I'm stressed, like, you know, like about a year ago, I had like three weeks off that I didn't want off and I, I, I should have just kicked back and, and relaxed. But instead every day I was like just stressing out because I was right. like, Oh my God, I have no yeah. foreseeable income coming in, you know? Yeah. And then of course work all fell into place and I was turning right. down work, but it's just like, I don't know, man. I just like, yeah. it's like sometimes in life you, you, you fall into these things and, and uh, it's very hard to break out of them, you know. And and yeah. uh, I, I was watching this Motorhead thing. It was like the making of the uh, uh, Ace of Spades record, and it's a great documentary. If you haven't seen it, it's like I forget what they call them. They're like a classic albums or something. Yeah, I, you yeah. know what? I was watching the Rush twenty one twelve one of those today. Oh, I got to see yeah. that. But the 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 Motorhead one was great. And Lemmy in, in there says life is a series of of mistakes and accidents. You know of yep. you know what determines your 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 path. You know all yeah. all Lemmy wanted to do was be the bassist in Hawkwind. You know, and he got fired. You know, so he had to do something else. And that's how Motorhead came about. You wow. know, so it's like. But look, look, and they became this legendary thing yeah. in all of our eyes. And so I'm, it's thank God he got fired from that band or else yeah. who knows, we might not have had Motorhead, you know? Right. No, that's true. That's true. Um, I just, I've been on a super crazy Motorhead kick lately, oh, just specifically that early stuff, you know, and just the weirdness that, that that went on, you know, it's like, this is a band that had like two first records and, and it really, you know, <laughs> they, they had on parole, which wasn't wasn't fast Eddie or filthy on that one. It was just Lemmy and some other guys and that got shelved. But then when they released the self-titled, technically what was their first record, which was songs that, that filthy and fast Eddie played on with Lemmy, but they didn't really write. It was basically the songs off of on parole and some other stuff. And they, that got released, but then the company that owned the rights to on parole then released that. So they had like two debut records. That's wild. And so it really wasn't until they finally put out, you know, the, uh, the overkill record in like 1979, it was really, in my opinion, that was true motorhead. Cause that's, right. a, you know, they all wrote on that record. It has that awesome motorhead sound and, and a lot of great stuff that, uh, band has given us through the years and, and just, we are lucky. Yeah, absolutely. We are totally lucky, but yeah, you know, Mark, I, I, uh, I just want to say that I think that you've had a, and you currently are going to continue to have a great career in the TV production world. And, and even though you're, uh, bummed and kind of, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the right word is. I still think you should uh, be proud of all the, uh, you know, even the promo stuff because I, I think it, so many people would would, would uh, you know, die to be in that position to where you can have a career in producing promos. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all right. Although I heard David Spade on uh, Howard Stern. Oh, yeah. I guess he was a promo producer for. Oh, really? Him. And he said it was just the. It's like he said it's the absolute worst job anybody could ever have. Which it's not. It's not. It's definitely not. I mean, I I, yeah. I watch TV for a living, and then you know, put I had fun stuff, when- and then get told to to 
to change it and you know do <laughs> do different. You know, but I don't yeah, know. I'm just I like used burn to, out, man. Yeah, I, I got to get a thirty second story here. Yeah, one of the things that I still love is when you used to be um, at at Bionic, and I used to come over during my lunch breaks, and uh, uh, we used to order from Cozy, and uh, you know, you'd be producing, and I'd be eating, and uh, you know, I, I thought that was such a cool gig. I was like, man, that's such a great job, Mark Scott. He's in these yeah. cool studios. No, it, it was. However, the industry's changed a lot. You know, oh, like, okay. Like back in those days, which you know, we're talking only like ten years ago or less. Uh, you know, I had a, a job, a corporate job. I was a senior writer producer at Sci-Fi, producing and writing their promos. You know, so I'd go to these facilities who would want our business and they would buy me lunch every day. And we used to do a a live radio stream, which they, that one of those facilities paid for, which was like practically payola. I'll admit it now because it was like that was to keep me bringing the business there and it worked, you know, you know, but granted, they gave, gave me good product for my real job. So, you know, but but definitely, I, I was a little more devoted to them because they let us do talking metal live. There. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's the business. Like all that stuff has disappeared because everyone now you don't need a big edit suite to edit right. videos anymore. You don't need a hundred thousand dollar tape decks and stuff. Everything's digital. Everybody has you know Final Cut Pro and and Adobe Premiere Pro and Avid right on their laptops. You know, so yeah. it's a different. It's, it's a different. Yeah, you're world right. I, it's a different vibe now, right? Yeah, totally. yeah. It's a different. It's a different world. I mean, they used to they used to pay mixers to mix thirty second promos. You know, two grand a day. It's like now they pay people four hundred to mix a, a, a promo that goes on air on a on a station like Sci Fi or, or USA wow. because you can do it right on your your. Yep. you know your MacBook Air, you know, right? Yeah. Using GarageBand. Facilities are all practically uh, all out of the business. Facilities are they're all, all out of business. Wow, they're all not all, but most of them. Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's a, it's a changing world, but it, you know it it brings me back to like why couldn't you know we had a big network that did the Talking Metal on Fuse TV show. We spent right. you know tons of money on each episode. I say we, they, the the network did same thing with that metal show, which I had the fortunate, uh, honor of working on, but it was a corporate machine. You know, it was tons of people, tons of money spent on every episode. But in today's world, like with all the editing that you can do right on your computer, like why, why couldn't we like just do our own version of talking metal TV again, yeah. right on YouTube, you know, do 15 know. second episodes. I mean, honestly, that's, that's where I'm at. it's like, why, cool. why aren't I doing something like that instead of going and, and, you know, busting my ass for, for, you know, a bunch of frustration every day. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think do an experiment, um, just uh, enjoy August, and then you know, like you said, it, until something takes off. And God, I, God, I, I would love to to be doing a uh, TV style show on YouTube on a regular basis again. Uh, that would be amazing. But it is yeah. money, you know. Even yeah. though things are less, like okay, so it's not going to cost seventy grand to do an episode like it right. did when we were on Fuse. But you know, it it could. It, to do a nicely produced where we do some interviews and like even, even that, you know, thing I shot Emily interviewing Vixen. I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't done for free. You know, I I spent some of my own money. I hired an editor 
to do it. I bought a camera. You know, that that cost a little money, and that's right. pretty Plus low it, budget. We had to travel down to the M3, yeah. upstate So the stuff costs money. That, you know, yeah. But if there were some way that, hey, we can get it back. I mean, I just watched a video on YouTube of some guy playing the trooper by Maiden on his banjo, and it had like 600,000 views in like less than a week. <laughs> and I was like, that, that guy's making some money. I mean, yeah. he probably yeah. had to clear the rights to the song you probably had to do a few things right. but that guy's making some money i mean right. that, that's like i mean those youtube like the hits and stuff right is that how yeah. that works yeah. yeah if you have the ads up i mean you can yeah. you can make money i mean he's not making a ton of money if you had six million views that might be right. better but, but that's a lot of views yeah that's in a, a week a that, that's a lot of views Insane. that's a lot of week that's a lot of views you know so it's okay, like okay i'm getting a banjo guys and i'm gonna yeah play. exactly yeah, that's what i was songs. thinking why why didn't I go hire a banjo guy to right. learn the trooper, pay him 500 bucks and, and shoot him doing it. Yeah. And then and put, put that, that up on, on YouTube. Know. Yeah. And put it on our YouTube page and make some money, you yeah, know, 600,000 hits on one thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, and we have a lot of hits on some of those jams. I mean, I think one of those jams has like a couple, like a hundred thousand hits or something like that. And that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Some know? of the jams, like we aren't monetized though. Like when you right. put a clip on YouTube and the reason is, cause I've tried to monetize them and some of them have we've detected that somebody else owns the rights to this song oh. even covers that we did youtube right. somehow detects that it's a That's cover it. and right. that we didn't clear it which we would need to hire a lawyer and and yeah. go through the publishing and legally clear it which you know isn't yeah. impossible but it's still going to cost with these older ones it's probably not even worth it anymore because yeah no it's going to cost us a thousand dollars to hire a lawyer to clear yeah. it and then right. then to get you know internet rights to the to the you know publishing we obviously don't need sound recording because we're, we're covering it but that's that's going to still cost yep you know that could cost five grand that could cost 50 grand yeah. it's probably closer to five but still it's like and then are you going to make are you going to make six thousand dollars back with a clip that has six hundred thousand views i don't know yeah i don't know i, I don't know either yeah it's nuts i, I know we gotta we <laughs> I there are so many there are a lot of people that do some crazy thing and they end up getting super rich on it and and I just wish that we could figure that out because yeah yeah. I mean a risk yeah it kills me when something ridiculous happens like to cash me outside or something and then that person gets you know like a million dollars for doing something like wacky when you know here it is we're trying to do something technically artistic and and entertaining and uh you know with some type of integrity and uh uh, i'm not mad at the cash me outside girl for example but um you know it's like why can't uh you know we're we're trying really hard and it'd be nice if we were rewarded for our effort (laughs) in my opinion yeah no i i'm totally there and use those uh, amazon links on the site those help uh support the show and you can leave a paypal donation if you wish to visit the site leave comments let us know what you thought of this episode in the comments section on talkingmetal.com john you're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. We'll get those linked through today's yeah, show yeah, notes. Yeah, I'm on all these new things now. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah. And you know what i got to find? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not new. New yeah, to you. Yeah. New to me. New to me. The whole world's been on Instagram and Twitter for, like, ever. And uh, uh, now I am on Instagram and Twitter as well as Facebook and MySpace, although I haven't... I, I don't... My MySpace. MySpace. Page, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that exists anymore, but no. uh, it may not. <laughs> I haven't MySpace. thought of MySpace. <laughs> update. No, I, no, I think they went out of business. 
like a yeah. decade ago at least. You, you know what I heard? Did that Forbidden pass away? The girl from MySpace, her name was Forbidden. I, I hope that uh, she didn't, but I'm, I think she may have. Like, no clue. It was like one of the earlier MySpace people. If if she didn't, I, I'm so, so was sorry. Was that a Bumblefoot fan? I don't know. Like mm. Forbidden, I thought, was one of the first ever MySpace people. Hold on for oh, 30 seconds because I got to look this up. Oh, right. uh, MySpace forbidden. Yeah, this girl, her name is Christina Dolce, and uh, she was also known as Forbidden on MySpace. Uh, has passed away at the age of thirty-five from liver failure. And and I remember there's this song, and uh, yeah, there's a song that she used to play. It was this acapella song with the forget the name of the the girl who uh, actually did the song, but uh, yeah, she's really famous. I, my, my brain can't, can't remember things anymore. So um, I heard this song first on her page and um, she was like one of these MySpace people like Tila Tequila that like everybody right, right. that be friends with. And uh, yeah, she suddenly passed away, but uh, oh, all right. Well, crazy thing back in February. So a little, little news in case you did not hear that and well, in case you still have MySpace, but <laughs> <laughs> well, John, I got to get out of here. I got to okay. go get another beer and go to One bed. And I know you have to go check your MySpace page. I got to go check my MySpace page. I'm going <laughs> to update it right now. And uh, I do have to find, though, there's a picture of me from the from the eight from maybe like 1986 or 1987 and and i'm in a picture like a kind of a group not a posed group shot but kind of like a, a backstage group shot with uh bruce dickinson did i ever show you that oh no i haven't seen that i'd love to yeah see yeah i'm going to uh search for that photo i don't know where it is but uh, i'm going to try to find it cool. if i do well maybe i'll uh put it on my uh put it on facebook yeah put definitely cool Throwback okay. Thursday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, All man. Right. Thank you, guys. Right. Thanks, Little everybody, Iron for Maiden. listening. Iron Maiden, Wasted Years on Talking Metal. Cool. All right. All right, good, John. <laughs> I- I'll clean it up a little bit, but oh, I- yeah. it's most of it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah.